Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Locked On Rams. Monday edition of Lockdown Rams, and we are starting our full week of the Ultimate Crossover Series. We've got all the hosts here on the Lockdown Podcast Network from the NFC West. That means Brian Peacock from Lockdown 49ers. That means Corbin Smith of Lockdown Seahawks and Bo Brock from Lockdown Cardinals. We had a great conversation, and over the course of the week, each day with a focus of a different team in the NFC West, we start at the top, and that means the San Francisco 49ers. So I'm going to kick it over. Here's Brian Peacock running it down for us on our first day, the Monday edition of the Ultimate Lockdown Crossover. Welcome to the Locked On Podcast Network's first ever Ultimate Division Crossover. I am Brian Peacock, host of Locked On 49ers. I am here with Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks, Brad Bearmotter of Locked On Rams, and Bo Brock of Locked On Cardinals. That will be the order of Team Focus Tuesday through Thursday. Today's program is about the San Francisco 49ers. Same order as how these teams finished in the NFC West, or should I say the NFC Best this year, guys. I think it's unquestionably the best division in football in 2019 and looks to be the same and maybe even stronger going into 2019. And 20. We'll get into this division all week long. Then Friday, a Valentine's Day special. Who do you love episode? So Corbin, Brad, Bo, the way I understand this is I will sit back for the next 25 minutes or so, and you guys will expound on how amazing the 2019 San Francisco 49ers were, right? <laughs> they should have lost to the Seahawks twice. Let's be honest. Jacob Foster, how could you not get three more centimeters to win that game in week 17? Uh, beside the point, yes, they had a phenomenal season, outstanding effort from Kyle Shanahan as the head coach. Uh, some questionable decisions maybe in the Super Bowl, but there's always going to be hindsight after those games. And the 49ers played an outstanding game, an outstanding season, and uh, it's great for the fan base considering how poor they had been in the last five or six years. And and it's a very storied franchise. So good for them. They're a team that's built for sustained success as well. Yeah, and Bear from the Rams here, thank you for, uh, you know, being another NFC West team that fell short in the big game. Yes, you scored more than three points, so we're glad that that, uh, you know, maybe is one step removed from that. But uh, it feels good to know that there's another Super Bowl loser within our division and that the NFC West is that good and continually getting to the big game. Yeah, it was kind of iron sharpens iron, and that's kind of funny coming from the guy who hosts the Arizona Cardinals podcast because it hasn't been the case the last couple of years, just five wins this year. But there have been some great games on the schedule within the division, and uh, just watching the Niners and the Seahawks and even the Rams up until the last couple of weeks have the success that they had in 2019, it just bodes well for the division and, and what the Cardinals have to maybe uh, look to emulate here in the next couple of years. It's a great point about the Cardinals, too, because that five-win record is better than what the 2018 49ers did with four wins, a 4-12 and team ending up in the Super Bowl. And by the way, the only team that the 49ers 
uh, the only team that the Cardinals beat was the 49ers the year before. So uh, the Cardinals team, I, I like them as up-and-comers, and we're going to get deep into the Cardinals on Thursday show. And a lot of similarities. And I know with this podcast, and we do have to unfortunately rip the Band-Aid off with the Super Bowl loss, 49ers fans not excited about that fact. And I know my numbers have been a little bit lower this week. A lot of people have hit me up on Twitter. They're like, hey, Brian, love the show, love the podcast, but it's too painful. I can't listen this week. So to those of you, welcome back, who took a week off from the podcast. I understand that pain. I don't know if it was the same. Was it the same for you last year, Brad, after the, the Rams fell short in the Super Bowl? Oh, of course, especially like I just mentioned in the horrible factor of three points and just kind of the big letdown of the execution of the game. There was definitely some heartbreak. I think there's still some heartbreak from that game going back to last season. And obviously it kind of leaked into this season, which is going to be interesting and something I'm sure we'll talk about here. But yes, uh, that that week is much needed for many people and some people it's longer than that. But that's the exciting thing about getting us all together here is kind of moving the conversation along and looking at, like you said at the very beginning, the best division in NFL, which I think we would, you know, throughout this week, we'll find that we all agree upon. You want to talk about heartbreak. Seahawks fans know Super Bowl heartbreak more than anybody does. (laughs) I don't think they needed a week off. They needed a year off. You just look at how that changed the dynamics of the Seahawks as a franchise with Russell Wilson throwing that dreaded interception on the slant. Malcolm Butler picks it off. The team just never recovered from that. That's why partially, I mean, obviously Richard Richard Sherman had an Achilles injury as well, but that's part of the reason he is now in San Francisco and was one win away from winning another Super Bowl with the rival 49ers is because they had to blow everything up. That locker room became toxic because of what happened in that Super Bowl loss to the Patriots. And it's one that it still burns Seahawks fans five years later, and it's going to burn for a long time until they win again. If they win another Super Bowl, then maybe that'll go away. But uh, you saw even today in the XFL game, there was a slant that was deflected and intercepted in the end zone and ironically it was a Seattle team that threw it and of course Seahawks fans were blowing up on Twitter about that so it just doesn't go away yeah and it's and it's also you guys know as well as anybody how hard it is to get back so that's mm-hmm. one of the things that the 49ers have to I mean it's, it's just such a mental grind going all the way through the Super Bowl and you, you realize it when you're hosting a podcast about a team I can't manage imagine what it's like for the staff and the players on the field going through the marathon of a football season when you get all the way through the Super Bowl. But my mindset is totally different. I mean, I would have been a month plus deep into NFL draft stuff if this this was last year at this time. And now it's like, oh, the combine's already coming up. Okay, and now you're going to get right back to it. And a very unfinished business vibe right now with the 49ers. In fact, Robert Sala, who was passed over for the Cleveland Browns head coach job, was offered an interview with Michigan State to be their head coach, and he actually turned it down. So I think there's really an unfinished business vibe going on right now with the 49ers after that Super Bowl loss, and it seems like everybody was really fired up to get back at this thing and and hope to try to get back there next year as difficult as that can be. And depending on who you ask, there's a different person to blame, whether it's Kyle Shanahan or Jimmy Garoppolo not playing well in the fourth quarter or if the, the refs screwed the 49ers. You, you name it, there's a number of different reasons, including – just having a really good team and a really good quarterback on the other side in Patrick Mahomes, why the 49ers fell short and did not win the Super Bowl. But luckily it's a very young team and it's a team that showed that they're ready for prime time, ready to win in a lot of different ways. Corbin, you mentioned those Seahawks games and those were both really tight, two of the better games 
the 49ers played this year. There was the overtime loss, and that was the first loss for the season for the 49ers after going 8-0 through nine weeks. And then, of course, the Week 17 matchup that gave the 49ers that one seed and a much easier path into the playoffs. But that overtime loss, that was the only division loss for the 49ers this year. They swept the Cardinals. They swept the Rams and beat a whole bunch of other teams on the way to the Super Bowl, including just thoroughly dominating physically and mentally the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers in the playoffs. And and you point to those games, and a lot of fans, and even me included, I went through every play in the fourth quarter and looked at what Kyle Shanahan called and thought, man, they, they could have tried to bully the Chiefs a little bit more on the ground in the fourth quarter. But it's all, it, you know, it's hindsight. And sometimes a good play call, even if a guy's open, uh, a defensive lineman can stick his hand up there and bat a ball down. So there's a lot of what-ifs when a team loses the Super Bowl. But all in all, 49ers fans have to be really excited about how this season played out in 2019, going from 4-12, and being the one seed in the NFC, 13-3 and in the regular season, going to the Super Bowl. Now they've just got to try to get back there, try to bring everybody back, which is going to be a huge key for this football team, and that's going to be the subject of segment number two here with the 49ers is the biggest questions going into 2020. And for me, I think that's free agency. And we're going to get you guys a little bit more involved with this conversation and, and bounce some stuff back and forth, have a little round table, a little Q&A about the 49ers coming up next. Blue Chew is here for you. Not only the guys that can't perform, but all guys that want to step up their performance. All you got to do is go to bluechew.com, enter the promo code locked on. They're going to ship it to you for free. All you got to do is pay the $5 shipping coverage. There are so many amazing benefits of Blue Chew, but a couple that I really love made here in the USA ships discreetly to your front door. So, no in person doctor visits, no awkward waiting at the pharmacy and hearing your name called up to review your boner pills. None of that. Also, it's chewable. So, it works faster than Viagra and Cialis. And again, since Blue Chew is such an amazing partner, they're letting you try it for free. So just go to bluechew.com, enter the promo code Locked On to try it today. Trust me, your girlfriends and wives will be thanking you. Blue Chew, it's cheaper, faster, and the better choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, this is the point of the podcast where we look ahead a little bit about these San Francisco 49ers and look at 2020 and the biggest questions in 2020. And for me, it starts with trying to bring the game back together. The 49ers have some key free agents that are starters. They have defensive lineman Eric Armstead, who had the best year of his career, was able to stay healthy. You could say the exact same thing about free safety Jimmy Ward. Finally, has been able to focus on one spot on defense, had a fantastic year at free safety for the 49ers. He's an unrestricted free agent now, was able to to stay healthy after he was banged up actually in the offseason and had a fantastic season. And then the guy the 49ers brought in midseason, they spent a third and fourth round draft pick to bring in wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders. He's now a free agent, so they've got to decide if they want to go bring him back, if they can afford to bring him back, if they try to bring everybody else. It's going to be hard for them to sign everybody because um, as John Lynch put it in the season ending press conference, they don't have a cap situation where they can go to the grocery store and just say, I want that. I want that and pick anything they want up off the shelves. So to me, the biggest question by far going into 2020 is the free agents they'll be able to bring back from their current roster 
before they go shopping elsewhere. And they might be able to find some upgrades, but really the key is how good the young players are on this team. And first-round draft pick, Nick Bosa, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Second-round draft pick, Debo Samuel, who was just phenomenal and really grew as a football player toward the end of the year and was really the number one. He ended up taking over Emmanuel Sanders at some point late in the season and definitely during the playoffs. And and he's a guy that I think the 49ers will really have to lean on going forward, whether Sanders is back or not. And, of course, they have Pro Football Focus's number one graded player in 2019 above everybody, above Patrick Mahomes, above Russell Wilson, above Aaron Donald, you name it. George Kittle had the highest grade from Pro Football Focus in the 2019 season. So the young players continuing to develop, try to bring back some of the veterans. That's the key to success for the 49ers. And not having that that Super Bowl hangover that a lot of teams have when they lose. I want to turn this thing over to Corbin. When you look at the 49ers roster, is there something you see going forward in, in 2020 that you have questions about or that you think maybe the 49ers can hang their hat on? I'm glad that you mentioned that, you know, as the Super Bowl team, when you're the losing team, it hurts even worse. But when you make the Super Bowl, teams are going to pay top dollar for your free agents. So the 49ers are in a position with less than 15 million in cap space that they are going to inevitably lose some key players. There's a really good chance Armstead is going to hit free agency and is going to get enough money the 49ers can't afford to keep him, especially with all the depth they have in their defensive line. But I hate to be this guy that brings this question up first but uh, to me the biggest question for the 49ers going into this offseason is Jimmy Garoppolo really the guy and we've seen a lot of media outlets bring this up and I personally think they are in good shape with Jimmy Garoppolo and I thought he played really well for most of that Super Bowl game but the questions are going to persist and it's always worse when you are the losing team in the Super Bowl as well those questions are going to persist and especially if Tom Brady doesn't get re-signed I think the idea of Brady going to San Francisco is ridiculous but of course in NFL offseason those are the kind of things that get thrown around when when it's speculation season yeah the Tom Brady one's interesting because I don't think the 49ers have enough enough cap space to bring in Tom Brady as Jimmy Garoppolo's backup right because that's what he would be because <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo at 28 years old is better than the 42-year-old Tom Brady than we saw last year in in a lot of respects. And and Tom Brady's an all-time great. I don't really think Tom Brady's going to leave New England, but there's no question Jimmy Garoppolo's the guy, and Kyle Shanahan has said it, and and Garoppolo had such a fantastic season, nearly 70% completion. He, He did everything the 49ers needed him to do to get to the Super Bowl. He didn't have a great fourth quarter, but he was also one throw away from 49ers winning the Super Bowl and Jimmy Garoppolo being the MVP mm-hmm. and the narrative would be completely different with just one throw if he had that one throw back on the miss on the deep post to Emmanuel Sanders in the fourth quarter who was wide open wide open he flat out missed him he overthrew him by five yards and, and that's on Garoppolo and there were some other plays that that he missed late in that game so that's why some blame is deservedly on Jimmy Garoppolo for losing that game there is blame deservedly I think on Kyle Shanahan and at the same time, you got to tip your cap to the team you're playing against because the Chiefs are just really good, and Patrick Mahomes is ridiculous. And Andy Reid, by the way, called a fantastic football game. Uh, Brad, it looks like you have something to say here, and I have a feeling you're going to – are you going to crap on Jimmy Garoppolo too? 
You know what? Surprisingly not, I'm, I'm not going to because I know what it's like to have that quarterback that others outside the building might question with Jared Goff going the distance and having a couple good seasons as far as yardage and, and controlling the, the game. But obviously with him, and we'll get into him on Wednesday's episode as I take over uh, and lead that show. But uh, So I'm going to give Jimmy Garoppolo the pass here. I'm, I'm going back to your free agents, and I think it's – I know you don't have a lot of money to work with, but I would still put a lot of money – uh, into that defense. Armstead is a huge part. And obviously the way that, you know, he worked on that line with Nick Bosa and you talked about on the wide receiver end, you know, what are you going to do with Emmanuel Sanders? Yes, he had some impact, but I think with what you got with Debo Samuel, as you mentioned, having a guy like George Kittle, I think that's where you could maybe lapse and, and say, okay, we don't need to spend extra money on this offense. Because if you look at it, you guys leaned heavy on the run. So keep focused of what your uh, 2019 identity was and try to roll that over. That was the big problem with me for the Rams is we changed our identity. You know, the last couple of years, it was all through Todd Gurley. And all of a sudden this year, it seemed to want to go through uh, Jared Goff. And that's just not how this team was built to win. So I think for the Niners, it's going to be key, especially uh, I'm jealous of all you guys for having first round draft picks, but that you can go get a player in that first round uh, that you could plug in. And, and, you know, maybe that's a wide receiver. There's a you know a lot of talent there, but maybe that's, you know, going to the defense side of the ball or or building more on that O-line, however you want to do it. But I think the key is stick with your identity and don't get too far away from that. Uh, I think Emmanuel Sanders is a guy you can let walk. That's a great point. And Emmanuel Sanders had an immediate impact, and it was clear that the 49ers needed someone they could count on at wide receiver. They needed that veteran presence this year in 2019, and they went out and found that guy. But as Debo Samuel developed and you saw him take a, a larger portion of – of really uh, of just the offense because they leaned on Debo Samuel at the end of the year, and especially in the playoffs more so than Emmanuel Sanders. And he's a dynamic player and his arrow is pointing up. Emmanuel Sanders is 33 years old. If he signs a new contract with the 49ers for three years, I would be willing to bet he doesn't see the last year of that contract just because, you know, at that age and the injuries he's had, and he's not the biggest wide receiver in the world. So if his quicks start to wane and we even saw it a little bit at the end of the season, I don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to age necessarily super well into his mid thirties, but he was an awesome addition by the 49ers and they needed that veteran presence. And it's a, it's a good question going into 2020. Do they need that veteran presence as much or can they lean on Debo Samuel now? And of course you have George Kittle and maybe they could focus their money on the defensive side of the ball, keeping those other guys. And, and like you said, go into the draft with a, maybe a first round pick, or I haven't really have a feeling the 49ers are going to trade down because they don't have a second rounder. They already lost for, the trade for Ford and then third and fourth rounders, they lost for Emmanuel Sanders. So they don't have a pick in the second, third or fourth round. So my guess is the 49ers won't be selecting actually in the first round at all at number 31 and will trade back if they get any kind of an offer at all. And then at that point, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they do go wide receiver, especially with uh, if Emmanuel Sanders does leave in free agency. But I also have a feeling Emmanuel Sanders, and he said he wants to be back. He might not cost so much that it really is something that, hurts the 49ers and if the 49ers decide to let Eric Armstead walk I think that's the key because Emmanuel Sanders safeties don't get paid a lot Jimmy Ward if Eric Armstead walks I think that'll be all the money they need to bring back both Ward and Sanders and they wouldn't really have to have much of a worry there and and potentially maybe they could even try to go bigger than that at wide receiver and really get a dynamic playmaker that's you know an AJ Green or probably not Amari Cooper, but they could still try to go that route and say, look, let's go as big as we can and really try to go back and win this thing. And then when we have more draft picks later, we can try to 
you know, refill that roster in the bottom of the roster. And, and they could limp things along with Eric Armstead this year by throwing the franchise tag on it. And Eric Armstead, surprisingly, which is something you never hear players say, he said, oh, yeah, I'm cool. I want to be back. I'm cool if the 49ers slap the franchise tag on me, which I was kind of blown away to hear. Frank so, Clark said that last year, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess, you know what? Being a defensive end, it probably makes it a lot easier because they get paid quite a bit of money. So that captain or that uh, tag number is, is quite large. You know, once Clark got that franchise tag, though, his tune quickly changed. So just a, just a cautionary tale for you there. <laughs> yeah, the agent's like, uh, what are you doing, man? That was a, that was a stupid thing to say. <laughs> so uh, anyway, you know what? Let's, let's move this thing along. And I want to give you guys a chance to just bounce things off of me because I'm sure you're tired of hearing me talking by now, as are the listeners. And we'll have a little Q&A here in segment number three. You guys can kick around some ideas when it comes to the San Francisco 49ers in 2020. table here about those san francisco 49ers the nfc west champions in 2019 bo you've been kind of quiet over there let's start with you if you have anything to shoot my way about the 49ers or if you want to uh insult the team that is right now the champions of your division brian you ride this one as long as you possibly can because we've seen that it's, it's tough especially in this division and we talked about the veterans we talked about the young up and coming stars in this in the NFC West, and it looks like this is going to be one of those things where this they've got some staying power. I mean, not only on the Niners, but the Seahawks and the Rams, and of course the Cardinals are just really starting to scratch the surface. But when you look at the Niners' season, I mean, outside of some of the big wins that they had, they had some close games, and they had to go have the ball bounce their way a couple times for them to even earn that NFC West crown and also earn the first round bye to where they maybe made the road to the Super Bowl a little bit easier I'd be interested to see how they respond to that and maybe not necessarily having that kind of luck in the next season as well as how they respond as far as Jimmy Garoppolo like Jared Goff did this previous season to having all that scrutiny from the Super Bowl. There's, there is a lot of luck. I mean, there's a lot of truth to that, whether you are uh, the, the Super Bowl loser or the Super Bowl winner. And even in the big game, there's a ton of – things that can happen in the Super Bowl and the ball is oblong and it bounces funny. I talk about that a lot on the podcast. And when you have so many close games, I think I saw two things that happened. There's definitely some luck involved and you never know how things are going to work, but the team is built in a way that they could win if they needed Jimmy Garoppolo to throw for 350 yards and throw four touchdown passes and come from behind in New Orleans to beat the Saints 48-46. Like, there may be some luck involved with how some things go down in some certain games, but you don't luck your way into 48 points on the road in New Orleans, and that game was probably the best game of the regular season. That one was so fun to watch. Um, They had that gauntlet of games against the Green Bay Packers and the Baltimore Ravens and the New Orleans Saints there, and they came out with just one loss by three points against Baltimore, and all of the games in the regular season, they were within a score of of winning those football games. So they – they had some luck, and you have to have luck to make it to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. That's absolutely correct. But they showed how resilient they are. They showed how 
many different ways they could win. They won when they were able to pound the ball and run it on the ground. They were able to win when they needed their defense to overcome five turnovers by the offense. They were able to win games when they needed Jimmy Garoppolo to throw for points and go win it that way. So uh, this team really just showed that in those tight games, the what, what I came away with with this team is that they could win in a lot of different ways. And no matter what the game script called for, they could come out on top. And I think the most complete team in the NFL when it was all said and done. And that's what got them into the Super Bowl. And unfortunately, they weren't able to win it. But that's what I saw with the 49ers. And even when you started breaking down the Super Bowl, everyone's like, oh, man, the 49ers are better almost everywhere except for quarterback. But the Chiefs have the best quarterback in the world. And that's so hard to overcome. And it proved to absolutely be the case for the 49ers. So um, the thing about being a really complete football team, though, Bo, is that you can't always it's like it, it's it seems to not transfer year to year as far as personnel and we talked about that about getting uh getting poached like other teams are going to pay a good team's players you're going to lose players in free agency you're going to lose coaches and stuff like that so it's really a top-down approach if you don't have the right ownership general manager head coach especially in place it's going to be really hard to win year after year. And I think the 49ers are in really good shape there. So they don't have to lean on, look, we have this great personnel and it all came together one magical year and that's going to all disappear. No, I think it comes from top down. That's why I'm not worried going forward about the 49ers being a pretty good football team. But you know, a lot of people would have said the exact same things about the Rams last year, right, Brad? Yeah. And I, I think those are both really good points. And I love Bo's question there because that is interesting about the NFL is from year to year, so many things do come down to roster coaching, uh, players performing, all the things we know, but also to some of those game time situations, the little games within the big games, right? And if you can win those little battles and those go a long way in stacking up some wins. So just kind of the question, I guess, that I would look at this and, and as you kind of pitched it to me as being, you know, coming from the Super Bowl last year is as you started this podcast out, this extended uh, this team a lot longer than they were used to in the past couple of years. And, you know, how does that wear down the players? You know, how does it wear down, you know, a rookie like Nick Bosa, who obviously seems like a freak out of this world and you think he's just going to bounce back. But do they start next season on a slow start? Do they get poached from some of their players and coaching and how do they stay on focus to get off to a hot start? The Rams started out three and three and that was basically their season was up and down. They can never find that consistency. So for me, it's kind of, you know, is this something that will be something we've seen, you know, in, in a uh, year over year thing that some of those Super Bowl losers come back and it's just a, a grind to get there. And when you lose and in that fashion, being up, you know, 10 points with what, eight minutes to go, how are they going to bounce back as a team? Will they consistently keep that identity? So those are the things I look at at the Niners. Can they get out hot start in 2020? Uh, and can they keep some of these pieces and keep that focus for that championship? Or are they burnt out? Are they tired? Are they going to, uh, you know, maybe have those little games within the game, maybe not go their way? So those are the questions that I look at the Niners, you know, in the 2020 season as how will they approach those Catapulting games? off what you said and as, as well as Brian did this whole conversation. This is coming from the perspective of being to back-to-back Super Bowls in 2013 and 2014. The Seahawks lost a lot of key players free agency. And one thing that made the 2013 team so special, just like this 2019 49ers team, was incredible depth across the board. That 2013 Seahawks team, you could have put some of the backups in at multiple positions on other teams, and that team probably would have been a playoff team. 
they had incredible depth build up over a couple years, great drafts. And then they lost some key players. And suddenly those players that were reserves now become starters. And then you have to draft backups to put in behind them. And year to year, it's really difficult to rebuild depth like that. And that's something that has hurt the Seahawks in the last three or four years. They have not had as much depth. So that to me might be the biggest thing that the 49ers have to overcome. Not only the fact you're going to lose some key guys in free agency, but that also is ultimately going to affect your depth. Are they going to be able to replenish that depth given the fact that, as Brian mentioned, they don't have a draft pick right now in the second through the fourth round? That makes it much tougher to replenish that cabinet of talent. Yeah, it's a good point. And they do have, they're a, a young team overall, and you hope that guys continue to develop and get better, like Debo Samuel and some of their other draft picks and younger players at various positions. Fred Warner, I think, is an underrated potential star linebacker in this league, but then you do have still some veterans like Joe Staley and Richard Sherman. And it, I don't think it would surprise anybody if those guys are reaching the last year or two of their careers, despite what, I mean, if Richard Sherman's listened to this podcast, he just drove off the road in anger. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be getting that boulder that he's gotten his shoulder thrown at you, buddy. Oh yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's absolutely hard. And if you start losing, say, Eric Armstead this offseason, and then Joe Staley starts to slow down, maybe retires next year, and Richard Sherman starts to get exposed because he can't athletically run with guys anymore or has to change positions and move to safety or ends up retiring or, or whatever, there's a lot of guys that you do have to, for any, any franchise, continue to replace. And teams are going to start poaching. The only, the only coach the 49ers are going to lose this year, it looks like, is uh, Kiffin, who is their assistant defensive line coach and their defensive backs coach who was pretty important for the 49ers and Joe Woods who's now the defensive coordinator in Cleveland and so we'll see who the new uh, defensive backs coach is for the 49ers but luckily they didn't get killed in the coaching department I think next year Robert Sala will end up moving on so uh, you're right and uh, the mental grind is probably the biggest one because this was a really mentally tough team and a really physical football team this season and that's got to be hard and then you have the crushing defeat in the Super Bowl that mental hurdle of getting and getting ready to go and being as fired up as you were when you were fresh the year before is going to be difficult. And it's probably going to be the biggest hurdle and the biggest question for the 49ers going into 2020 is that mental hurdle of losing the Super Bowl. Can they come back fresh? Can they finish the business that they started in 2019? Guys, uh, this is a great episode. This is fun. We're out of time here. Um, and Hey, I, I think this has gone well enough. We might do this again in June during the dead period, right before camp, check in with each other, see how the off season has gone, but, uh, we'll, we'll keep it going tomorrow, Tuesday. We'll get into the 11 and five Seattle Seahawks as the locked on podcast network, ultimate division crossover week continues. Mm -hmm.